0: When we think of people like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle we tend to think intelligent and they are. And maybe in our era people like Albert Einstein or Stephen Hawking are names that we associate with unusual cognitive ability. Human intellect is a great thing. It's a God-given gift, and it's to be used to honor Him. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There is nothing particularly virtuous about being ignorant. However, human logic and human intelligence can be wrongly used. Especially when we use it to replace the wisdom that comes only from heaven. The people of the church of Corinth, if you imagine it's Greece, so you can imagine that they are wrestling with this very issue. I mean, they wanted to believe everything that Paul said. They wanted to take it in. But surely, Paul is not as intelligent as Socrates. Socrates was declared to be the wisest man in Athens. Paul wasn't. Paul preached the bodily resurrection of the dead, and Socrates denied it as a logical impossibility. Socrates never endorsed the resurrection. And so we all know, we are all here convinced of this very fact, are we not? That secular education is far superior to biblical learning. Well, stop acting that way. What we believe is wisdom that is not illogical, but supra-logical. I don't expect you to believe things that are illogical, that just absolutely can't be true. I don't expect you to believe that. The White House does, but I don't. But I do expect you to use your logic to be able to understand that there is a God who is beyond your logic. And that He has wisdom that only He can reveal. No one else can know it. Humans cannot reason their way up to the wisdom of God. It can only be revealed to them by the Spirit of God. How do churches then... Go about helping people to embrace the foolishness of Christ. The world would say that it would be foolish for a God to wrap himself in humanity and come and suffer and die in the place of the sinners that hate him. That seems foolish. How can a dying Jew on a piece of wood change anyone's destiny? How in the world can we be so certain that the human heart can be changed by this invisible thing called the Holy Spirit of God? But here's what God says about wisdom. Here's what's wise the cross of Christ is wise so I want to talk about the wisdom of the cross for just a moment no I'm not preaching about Deborah or Ruth or Mary or any of that I just go counterculture I'm just you know I will call my mom later I, I will do it it's a happy mother's day and so some of you guys are trying to embarrass me earlier in saying Happy Mother's Day to me. Okay. I participated. There you go. Shocking. Be sure you call your mamas today. I don't want them calling me. The wisdom of the cross. Now. Now. First of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we have in verse 18 the wisdom of God in the cross of Christ. We see that wisdom relies on the power of the cross. Look at verse 18 now. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Wisdom, true wisdom, relies on the power of the cross. Now, the cross is rejected by sinners as ridiculous. For the word of the cross is folly. It's ridiculous. It's foolish to those who are perishing. The word of the cross, the word there, word, is, as you probably could guess, in Greek, it's logos, and it means the message. The audible, verbal message of the cross is foolishness. Now, remember this about the gospel. And sometimes uh, Pastor Dan and I will joke around because in today's Christian culture, they attach gospel to everything. You know, everything is gospel-driven, gospel this, gospel that. We have gospel this. But the gospel is a spoken message. The Bible is very clear. In order for sinners to be saved, the gospel must be spoken. You are not going to be able to nice anyone into the kingdom. The gospel must be said. And so it is the word of the cross, the message about the cross of Christ that is ridiculous to the sinner to the self-serving sinful society if someone is a god then he should exploit that power and exploit that position at the expense of weaker beings that's the thinking of the world a god if he's truly a god is not going to voluntarily suffer He's not going to be embarrassed or shamed. How do, we know that? How do we know that to be true? Because those are the things that we fear most. We as human beings fear suffering. We don't want to suffer. I mean, we have a conniption if they're out of ketchup at McDonald's. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to be embarrassed. We'll go to great Lengths to keep ourselves from being embarrassed embarrassed because we don't want our fragile ego to be damaged we don't want these things we don't want to be shamed in front of others do we? there's nothing worse than just being publicly shamed it's horrible so if you're really a god why would you subject yourself to this? That seems foolish. Have you ever heard a human being say, now if I were God, and I mean they're serious. If I were God, this is what I would do. And they will say the exact opposite of what God has done. So it's foolishness to those who are in their depravity, self-serving, sinful, power-seeking, suffering-avoiding kind of people. The message of the cross is that God wraps himself in humanity and lays his life down and takes the judgment for sin that he himself has announced against sin. Notice the people who reject this. Those who are perishing. Those who are already in the process of perishing. People without Christ are not going to perish. They are already perishing. They're already in a state of decay. They're already in a state of damnation. They're already in a state of condemnation. They are already perishing. And in their wisdom, they reject the only thing that could save them from perishing. The natural person. Why Why? Why don't people just embrace this? Why, why, why do people reject the one message that could save them from eternal damnation? Why do they reject the one message that could cause them to be in a right relationship with God? A relationship of peace and harmony and goodwill. Why do they reject it? The Bible is very clear. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him. And he is not able. He is not able. He is not able. Get it. He is not able to understand them. Because they are spiritually discerned. Do you want to know how I know. That Calvinism is right about total depravity. And Arminianism is wrong. About partial depravity. This verse. Lost people are not able to understand the gospel their depravity has caused them to be blinded they cannot understand it they cannot man does not have within himself the ability to do this this is how i know that's true and this is also how i know that when a sinner comes to jesus that god has done it he has not done it in and of himself And he's not become smart enough all of a sudden to realize this is a good choice. No. Sinners in their wisdom reject God. Sinners using human wisdom will always reject God. Because the message of the cross is foolishness to them. They can't grasp it. They can't understand the gravity of this situation. They're unable to. That's what total depravity is about. For some reason, there are people that think that depravity applies to everything. And everything in humanity has been damaged except humanity's free will. And somehow their free will has has been, you know, protected from depravity. I find that nowhere in the scripture. I find exactly the opposite. That we exercise our free will as far away from God as we can exercise it. That's what we do. We choose and we choose boldly not to trust God. And if God doesn't intervene in your life, you'll continue to do that. You are not able. You don't have the ability to understand. It's spiritually discerned. You will always think the gospel is foolish. Wisdom from God causes you to rely on the power of the cross. If God does not grant you that supernatural wisdom, you will never see it as a wise thing to do. Who in their right mind would think, oh, this is a wise choice. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Who would think that's a good choice? In our naked humanness, that's a bad choice. Who wants to wake up every day and do this? You know what I think I'll do today? It's National Deny Yourself Day. I notice we don't have one of those on the calendar. So I, I think what I'm going to do today is just deny myself all day long. I'm just, you know, today I'm just going to be all about others. No one does that. No one does it. So in human thinking, this, is a, this Jesus thing is a terrible choice. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. Oh good, let me choose that. I want to be hated more. Something I've always aspired to in life is to be hated on multiple fronts. Nobody chooses that. Because it's foolish in the eyes of the world. But that's what the the cross calls us to. Is that. Just that. But this is received, this message is received by the saint as reality. Look, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God awakens the dead heart through the preaching of the gospel in the hands of the Holy Spirit. That's how He calls us to life, is through the preaching of the gospel. Some of us, it's been so long since we've experienced the power of the gospel in our lives that we've lost confidence in the power of the gospel in the life of a sinner. And we do everything in the world but just announce the message. Because we think the gospel doesn't have power. We think people are not going to, we've already determined in our mind, people are not going to believe it. We've already decided for them that they're not going to believe the gospel. So we don't tell them. When is the last time we stopped and said this to ourselves? But wait a minute. I believed it. I'm a fairly reasonable, normal person. At least some people tell me that. I, 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 believed, I believed it. They're no different from me. Maybe they will believe the gospel. Here's what I know It is the only message that is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. It's the only thing that's going to save the real, true gospel. Nothing else will save. It's just not going to. We've believed it. And here's what I like about this part of the verse. Those who are being saved. Wait a minute pastor, I thought I trusted Jesus, I'm already saved. You, You are saved, but you're being saved you are in the process of being rescued there's no possibility if you trusted Christ there's zero possibility that you're going to go to hell but there is still a problem in our lives and we need to get hell out of us and being saved is the process we call it sanctification is the process of changing us to become like Jesus that we think like Jesus that we live like Jesus That if Jesus were in the 21st century, this is how he would handle it. That's how we have to think. And the gospel is the beginning of that process. And we continue to preach the gospel to ourselves. That Christ died for sinners. What do I need to do? I need to die to sin. Today I need to die to sin. That's what the cross does in my life. Jesus did this for others. That's what I need to do in my life. I need to do this for others as well. That's what the cross does, and it transforms you and causes you to think differently about life. It causes you to give up of yourself. Things that you love that are perfectly legal, but you may give it up because you do things for the sake of others. You consider others, not just yourself, all the time. You begin to look at things with a larger picture rather than just me and my little box for right now. That's what the cross does. And when it does that in our lives, we are being saved. We're being saved from being and acting like that selfish, self-centered little sinner that we were before we met Jesus. Wisdom relies on the power of the cross. Lord Jesus, we look to you and what you have done on the cross to continue to save us from what we are. Now then, Paul continues with this church and They have been exposed to all the wise people and the wise teachings of the world. the the, Names that you know. Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates. And Paul is saying, it's all well and good. But the wisdom of God is so far superior. Even if we were to call it God's foolishness, it's wiser than the greatest wisdom of man. The power of the cross. We rely on it. Wisdom does this. Wisdom also, because of the power of the cross, wisdom will return to the preaching of the cross. Look in verses 19 and following. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who's wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. Wisdom returns to the preaching of the cross Preaching the cross defies human wisdom. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? We've spent hours and thousands of dollars in this country trying to find a better way to get people to God. Somehow we think that we can come up with a silver bullet ministry, program, personality, That will cause people to be accepting of Jesus. What arrogance. We cannot do that. You say well I've seen it. No you haven't. I've seen crowds gathered for rice. And hear about Jesus. And they leave as rice Christians. You just bought them. All of the smart ideas that humans have to get people to Jesus is foolish they're foolish and arrogant we who are being saved know we know what causes the interchange of heart toward God we know what it is and here's what it is the preaching of the gospel that's what causes the change. We preach Christ crucified. Those who are looking some, for some kind of quinky dink sign. We don't care. We preach Christ crucified. That's the power of God and the salvation. For those who are looking for some kind of wisdom from man. They want to hear it from a PhD from Harvard. Then they would believe it. No what we do is take some redneck preachers and say this is the gospel, Christ crucified. This is what saves. This is the message that changes lives. Preaching the cross defies human wisdom. In human wisdom, every other way seems better. You know, we're told, for example, in what I do, our World today as preachers, here's what, people will say to me pastor you need to use more movie clips you know what that's saying the bible probably on its own can't work it's been proven that it doesn't work well you need to update your methods yeah that yeah that's it pastor really Probably if you would wear skinny jeans and a tight shirt and get a tattoo, it probably would change people's lives. I'm sure it would change their life. <laughs> it might change your life. You'd be so traumatized you could not recover and start a counseling ministry somewhere because of that. But you you need to, you need to do that. The pastor really, you, you know, your worship guy just needs to get a little more groovy, man. <laughs> I mean, our guy, he he's not from Arizona or California even. He's Kentucky. <laughs> so, you know what? So you need to do that. And you know what? And I had one guy say this to me. What is it with you? Like, are you, do you have some kind of blood fetish? I'm like, what do you mean? Because like every song you just want to be about the blood of Jesus. It's just gross. So, do you know what all of that is about? Let's find, you know, I, I used to say about ministries that churches had, they'll switch and bait, you know, bait and switch thing. Like, let's trick them into thinking this is not about Jesus. And then all of a sudden, we'll sling the curtains back and bam, here pops Jesus. You know, and so that, that, that should get them. And, and so we do stupid stuff. And then what we started doing was we started changing the gospel. We changed the gospel so it, it has no cost. We changed the gospel so that it becomes cheap. Look, 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 you know, Jesus really doesn't expect you to change your life or anything. He just wants you to say this prayer just repeat this prayer after me as fast as you can all right out of here next and so we we've changed the gospel to where it called for no repentance no one grieved over their sin no one saw themselves as an awful reprobate rebellious sinner against the king of heaven no one saw themselves as spitting in god's face no one saw them. we want to do everything to protect people's, you know, little fragile person so that when they can come to the gospel without it wrecking their life. That's what we tried to do. And so then we put a stamp on them and out they go. Out the door, there they go. There goes one who got saved. Wrong. We changed the gospel on them. You know what? I I, I, I particularly enjoy this. I really like it when I'm sharing the gospel with someone and they say i can't do that and i'm like okay then at least we know where we stand you understand you're going to hell and this is the way not to and you're okay with that well i'm not okay with it but i can't do that what you're telling me is hard yeah you you reckon so we've changed the gospel why because the preaching the cross defies human wisdom. And we, even as churches, have decided that we have a better idea than God has. Preaching the gospel displays God's wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. God saves by a means that human intellect rejects. See, what you guys are doing right now is just boring. You, you're coming and you're sitting here and you're, you've got a, an old book open that most people can't understand what's on one page of it, let alone the rest of it. And hearing some guy talk to you about these things on a Sunday when you could be in bed. And so this seems like not only a, a message that's hard to swallow, But the means that we're using to communicate it do not seem like the kind of means that would be effective. God is showing us that His simple means is too much for the intellectual elite to grasp. They can't understand how it works. I was in the Ukraine back in the 90s and... I was preaching, and me and two guys were preaching, and, and uh, we had these, uh, this television station decided to follow us around everywhere we'd go preach, and it was this young man and young woman, very attractive people, and well-dressed, and and uh, you know they stood out from the poor people, obviously, there were a lot of the people that came, and and so he was always, you know, the guy was always there with his camera, you know, doing the deal. And the woman, you know, she'd interview and all that kind of thing. And so from place to place, they would follow us and they would go. And we'd try to talk to him a little bit about the gospel. And then, No, that's not for me. And, okay, well, why are you here? We're just videotaping this, you know. It's the biggest thing that's happened to our city in a while. So we're just videotaping it. We're going to put it on the news and all this stuff. Okay, fine. And so, you know, they're doing the deal. We're getting, like, free, you know, publicity. So... Um, so the crowds are growing and these people are doing it so I remember I was preaching under the statue of V.I. Lennon and I noticed the man he had his camera and he kept inching up and inching up and it was getting uncomfortable and finally he just dropped his camera down and he just kept coming and I got finished with the preaching and I said to him I said, Sasha, uh, why aren't you videotaping? He said, this is for me. This gospel is for me. And I said, yes, sir, it is for you. In his wisdom, it seemed foolish. He was a well-educated young man. He had swallowed all the thinking of communism. And to him, this God thing, an invisible God you can't prove and all those things that seemed foolish to him. But the gospel kept weighing on his conscience and kept weighing on his conscience. And finally, he had to give way to the wisdom of God. Conversion of a sinner does not depend upon the intellectual acumen of the preacher. Aren't you glad nor does it depend upon my notoriety. It does not depend upon my popularity. Nobody in their right mind is going to get out of bed on a Sunday morning and go, hey, let's go hear Tim Klein preach. It should be great. Nobody is doing that. Conversion of the sinner depends entirely upon the message of the Christ of Christ. On the cross. It depends on that alone. It is God who saves sinners. And he can preach through a donkey if he wants to. Wisdom returns to preaching the cross. If one thing I could say to your church is this. When I'm gone. Do not step away from preaching the cross. Don't stop trusting in the preaching and teaching of the cross of Jesus. It may not go as fast as you would like, but you will have true results. Trust it, preach it, teach it, and let God use it. Wisdom refocuses now on the person of the cross. Verses 24 and 25, look at this. But to those who are called, not to everybody, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Jesus is the transforming power of God. When we preach the cross, we're not preaching a piece of wood. We're preaching about the Savior who is on that piece of wood. This message is about Him. It's about Jesus and Him crucified. Power. His power. His power can calm the storm. His power can cause the crippled to walk. His power can give sight to the blind His power can cause the dumb to be able to speak. His power can raise the dead to life. His power has created the world. His power changes the hearts of sinners. This is the power of the cross. The power of the cross is the person who is on the cross. His power turns a harlot into a godly woman. His power turns the demon-possessed maniac into a friend. He transforms a thief into a philanthropist. His power transforms the human heart from a selfish, self-worshipping heathen into a God-loving worshiper of Yahweh. That's what His power does. And our wisdom, the wisest thing that we could do would be to refocus upon this person the Lord Jesus. He is the transforming power of God. He is God's power in human flesh. He is the one who is still mighty to save. In America today we have so many people that do not know Christ and are living a godless lifestyle, and we think to ourselves we're failing. No, the gospel doesn't fail. We've just given up on the gospel. It may be slower nowadays. People have to hear it several times. They have to see it from a credible source. That would be you. But the power of the gospel is still the power of the gospel. There's been more than one of you that have started attending our congregation here and our worship services. And you announced to me right off the bat, I don't believe any of this, I'm an atheist. I'm like, okay, cool. That's good, and so you have proven that God doesn't exist. Well, I didn't say that. Well, then you're not an atheist. Okay, then I'll be an agnostic. Okay, an agnostic meaning ah, nos, meaning no knowledge. You're a moron. Okay, no, I don't say that. I don't say it to him. I don't say that. But why do we panic over? Well, no, we don't panic over that. I'm just like, hey, come and see. Just, just come and see. Just come in here. And there's nothing clever that ever happens. It's just we preach Jesus and Him crucified. And Jesus takes at heart and causes it to believe. That's the wisdom of God. Jesus is the transcendent wisdom of God. It says about Jesus here, He is the power of God and the wisdom of God. In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians 2.3 says. Who else can speak with accuracy on the union of the Father and the Son? We babble around and stumble around trying to talk about the Trinity and Jesus expresses it perfectly. Who else can emit an errorless explanation on the nature of the Father? Who else knows the mystery of the new birth? No one can know these things except the one who is wisdom itself. We live in a day in which professing Christians now are enamored with Marx and Darwin and the sages of this world. They're more likely to listen to someone out of Hollywood than someone in the pulpit. We rely on human persuasion and human influence of celebrity as our means to convince the world that our message is valid. We roll out humanistic methods to try to evangelize the heart's That are in rebellion against God. I have a suggestion. For you church. And for every church. Return to what Paul is saying right here. But we preach Christ crucified. Preach that. And sinners will be saved. Let him be a stumbling block. Give Jesus the privilege. Of being a stumbling block. We're trying to smooth it out so much that people don't have a stumbling block. Let him be a stumbling block. We're trying to dumb it down so it doesn't sound so radical because we think people are going to think that that doesn't make any sense. Let them think it. In their foolishness, let them think that God isn't wise. Let him be foolishness to the smart people out there. I remember Julie and I were first Christians and our pastor told us and we believed him that as a Christian, you're supposed to go share the gospel with people. I found out later that real Christians don't do that. Or at least I don't see many who do. So we're like, okay. And so we go down the street and there's a door that's open there and people are in there, knock on the door. They welcome us in. So we get a conversation with these folks and we share the gospel and they listen, you know. And they're a middle-aged couple, you know, and they're listening and I'm thinking, man, maybe we're making progress. They were so polite, they're smiling. And then they get at the end, we get at the end of that and said, would you like to trust Jesus? And the man said, aren't you all cute? And he goes on to tell me that he was a chemistry professor somewhere and she was some kind of professor, or whatever, and blah, 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 blah. And I remember as a young Christian thinking to myself, we'll never get to people like that. They, they just totally dismiss it. And the temptation is to think, I've got to find something more intellectually stimulating than the cross of Christ. That's what we tend to think. And the problem with that way of thinking is we play right into the hands of the devil. Let Jesus have the privilege of being foolishness to smart people. In the end, we'll see this. Everyone will see verse 25 as a reality. That what man thinks is God's foolishness is wiser than any bit of wisdom they could ever imagine. Rely on the power of the cross. Return to the preaching of the cross. And refocus on the person of the cross. That's my best advice to you. For those of us who are called... We will find that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Church with everything I know within me, I, I just say this to you, this one thing: preach the cross. Preach it. Chillicothe needs to hear the cross being preached. You can pick up water bottle plastic water bottles in the park all day long, but it's not preaching the cross. You can have a clogging meeting at your church. It's not preaching the cross. Have a wine and cheese party. It's not preaching the cross. We're piddling around with things that we think is going to make it palatable to people. It will not. It's not supposed to. They're supposed to fall over this message and scrape themselves up. They're supposed to walk away thinking that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They're supposed to do that. Because the natural man can't grasp it. And they come to the end of all of that and they think about it. And then when God touches their heart, they know that this wisdom is not from man, but it's from heaven. Preach the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us a Savior. And how you have done this and the way you continue to do it. It seems to defy all human wisdom. But yet, Lord, it is your wisdom. It is your way. And you continue to save. You continue to draw people out of darkness and place them into the light of your kingdom. And we praise you, Lord, that it is your work. Thank you for using us, just frail people made out of clay. And you use us to proclaim this mysterious and eternal message. The key... To the kingdom. We carry it around on our keychain, the key to the kingdom. And we proclaim it and it unlocks the door and people can come in. I pray, Father, that you would help us to have ultimate and final confidence in this one thing we preach Christ and Him crucified. Father, I pray that you would help us not to lose confidence in that. That we would not try to substitute other things for that. But we would boldly declare our Savior, who has died for sinners and risen to justify. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.